It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, January 19th, as we look to recap UFC on ABC Holloway versus Cater, which took place on Saturday. Uh, in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. And it's going to be back with you guys here. It's going to be a very, very busy week for us here at North Star Sports uh, for many reasons, but, uh, you know, a lot of UFC content. So, you know, we got the we got the recap here right now, and I'm sure by the time you're tuning in, the preview for uh, Kiesa versus Magni will be out because I'm about to do that just after this. And then the recap on, on Thursday and then the preview on Friday for the the McGregor Poirier pay-per-view actually maybe on Thursday because I, m- I might want to get that out there a little bit sooner because uh, you know people are going to be eager for content so you know we are just we're only focused on the UFC right now that's all we're focused on we got tunnel vision right now and it's on the return of the UFC after a three-week hiatus and there's so much stuff to talk about. I'm, I'm so happy to be here right now. Um, I suppose we'll start with the main card showdown, because obviously that's the uh, the A topic. And, uh, you know, the, the mailman is back. The mailman's back. You know what I mean? He won, he won the belt in dominant fashion, did everything he said he was going to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, now the mailman's back. He's, he's uh, undefeated. In his last three appearances, okay, we had a very dark stretch that I'm not going to talk about, but it was very dark, and now now we're back. Now we're back, and just in time for the January Grand Prix, which was also announced, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we had Drew uh, beating his dad. He sent him out to the fucking pasture. He sent him in a box floating down the river, okay, beat him 50-46. It was close there for a while. It was close there for a while. It was not a KO. Uh, and I'll get to another very weird score that is not a KO, um, but a good performance from him. We had uh, uh, Anthony the German Wiegert winning 48-47 over Ireland. I believe that was a come-from-behind victory, so that was very impressive. Uh, uh, Abel won 49-48. That was also a come-from-behind victory. Tough stretch here for Magnuson, okay, if we're being honest, because that is her third straight uh, loss in a row, Okay. Now, the mailman holds many records in the main card showdown. I, I think I actually hold every single record, but unfortunately, I hold a record for uh, the most losses in a row, which I believe is three, so she just tied me. So if she loses next week, uh, that's that's bad news, because now Bree's going to have the record for the most losses, uh, with none of the other good records to kind of even that out. Uh, we also had B. Todd beating Peyton. Okay, he beat him 50-47. Wasn't super close. And, you know, this is bad for Peyton as well because I'm trying to f- find his last few performances. He's on a one, two... Okay, only a two-fight losing streak, but his record is not great. Okay, he's two and four. So Peyton was kind of hot shit. You know, I think he came in, got a dub in his first appearance. He might have been like two and one at one point. 
or no, that wouldn't make sense because it's only a two-fight losing streak. But you know, that's one of the worst records in the main card showdown, and uh, we'll see if we can improve that. We had Schaller getting a victory over Grand Poo the Squirrel. It was close, 50-48. Uh, although I guess that means that Schaller won every single round, or at least didn't lose any rounds. Um, but you know, avenges her loss. Uh, Captain, Captain gets another win. He beats Pip. Okay. And he beats him 50 to 44. Okay, that's huge because when they faced the last time, Pip, I think he beat him 50 44 as well. But Captain's on a three fight winning streak. And crazily enough, that 50 44 score is not a knockout. It's not a knockout because Captain was up by three heading into the final round. And there were three potential points available uh, because they both picked the exact opposite picks. So. It seems like it should be a knockout, but it's it's not. It's as big of a decision win as you could possibly win without, you know, mathematically eliminating them the round before. And then we had Steve Young. Steve Young, who has changed his nickname, which is good because Stevie Juan Kenobi is one of the worst fucking nicknames I've ever heard in my entire life. That it, That's real bad. He's now the professor, which... I can handle, man. There's so many bad nicknames that I just allow. I should never have allowed any of these nicknames, by the way. But there's so many bad ones that the professor... Okay, that's whatever. I mean, he's got a big hipster beard now and, you know, I don't know, sips soy lattes or whatever whatever he does. He's into, he's into hipster stuff. He's into specialty sodas. You know what I mean? So I, I suppose it's a fitting name for him. But he won 48-46. Also, that might be the third come from behind victory as well because i know hooverman at least had the tie um heading into those final rounds so you know no knockouts crazily enough there were no knockouts um at nss 24 but uh you know it was it was exciting man that was a good card that was the biggest card we've ever done we might do a bigger one for this saturday i don't think we're gonna have a big one this wednesday because getting picks from people is a fucking nightmare but uh yeah we'll figure it out and then, so like I said, uh, we have the Grand Prix announced. So let me pull it up here. Uh, so it's going to be me taking on Captain. So that's going to be interesting. That's Captain's first appearance in a uh, main card showdown Grand Prix. Uh, we've never faced each other before. And um, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm going to try to look to, to knock out my dog in this game. Not the, you know, not the, well, I don't want to. I don't want to say that person's name because I guess they didn't. I don't know what they did, but uh, yeah, well, moving on because I don't want to get uh, in legal trouble. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock out my dog, and then we have uh, Drew taking on Steve. Okay, so Drew obviously got the dub. He's in the tournament, and um, this is Steve's debut in the uh, main card showdown World Grand Prix. A um, little bit controversial. A little bit controversial because he is only 1-0, okay? But I'm telling you right now, we wanted fresh faces in the tournament, okay? More people need to get a chance to come in here. And Steve is going to be a legitimate problem because he actually does research for his picks. So, you know, there's me, Jordan, Drew, and Steve. Those are the four real, real contenders in the grand scheme of things. Because we, we all make our own picks. Now, there's people like Captain and Grand Pooh and Pip who... Actually, not Pip. But uh, those two, you know, those are secondary characters. You know what I mean? Their picks are random. So that's why it's so impressive 
the captain's on a three-fight winning streak. And then everybody else is just money line pickers. The, 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 you know, most boring people on the planet, okay? And I say that with as much respect as I possibly can as the matchmaker and as the owner of this company that lets these people make picks. But I'm telling you, you know, to, to just pick on the money line is so boring. And I will say, you will be penalized if I notice you're just picking the money line, okay? Not not with like, oh, I'm going to dock your score or anything, but like if I notice people are solely going on, on money line and not making any original picks, like oh, and I, it would have to be a crazy thing, like five fights in a row, I notice it's all just money line boring shit. Like you're not going to get good matches, okay? Like we obviously prioritize putting you know, me and Drew in, in the tournament, even if we don't necessarily deserve it because we're, you know, we're, we're 1A and 1B. But, like, yeah, I don't know. If people just, you know, if they don't put a whole lot of thought into it, and I'm not saying make bad picks. Like, I'm not saying, oh, you can never go money line. No, that's totally fine. There's plenty of times where I'm sure I go entirely money line or whatever. But, you know, if I see people are just doing that week after week after week after week and ruining the integrity of the sport some might say i would never say that but some might say that uh i don't know like you're not i'm not gonna there's people you push to the top when they win obviously you have to win so if you're winning that's fine but you, you might not get as big of a push to the top okay you know what i mean like if if magnuson ever started winning fights like we would probably push her to the top r- relatively quickly i'm not saying if she gets one win she gets to go to the top but that's a legitimate person making ballsy picks okay a lot of a lot of a lot of guts a lot of moxie to make some of those picks and you know one of these times one of these times it's going to be all submissions and she's going to win 50 to 33 but you know i respect picks like that so those people will get pushed to the top but the the boring people i don't know man you might have to win a couple extra more fights to get to the top i don't know you know what i mean so that's fine uh, we also had major, major breaking news. There's another tournament. There's another Grand Prix, and we have dubbed it the Main Card Showdown Invitational Grand Prix. And what it is, is it's the top four left out of the the big Grand Prix, the Main Card Showdown World Grand Prix. So it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like March Madness, where they have like the top four out and the top four in. The top four in go to the big tournament, and the top four out, they go to this Invitation Grand Prix. Now, there's no medals. You only get an award if you win it, and the award is just that you want it, I guess. I mean, uh, you don't, it doesn't count for the medal count. But if you win the Invitational Grand Prix, you will earn a spot in the Big Boy Grand Prix the following month. Now, I don't know if I want to make that a rule. And here's why. I think we're going to follow that 99 times out of 100. The only reason I don't want to say, you know, right now I'm going to say automatically you get in, okay? But I want to think about it because, like, all right, say there's four UFC cards in a month. The Grand Prix only is is the last two. So say there's four in February and, uh, I don't know, say, say Reagan wins this Invitational here, okay? So then there's two fights in February before the the World Grand Prix. Well, Reagan earned himself a spot, but what if he loses what if he loses 5044 
in week number one? And what if he loses 50-43 in week number two? Now he still gets to go into the tournament, even though he just got absolutely murdered the first two weeks. So I, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to say you automatically get in because you could get fucking smoked. I think if I think if you win this Invitational Grand Prix, we'll do everything we possibly can to get you into the big boy tournament. But like, just know that if you get absolutely boat raced in in the two performances before, you probably aren't getting in because we probably should put the person in who boat raced you. So I don't know, man. It, it would be cool. It would be like when the Ultimate Fighter, you would get, um, if you won the Ultimate Fighter, you would get a chance at the title. Like that's how Matt Serra beat uh, GSP and that's how Travis Luter got a shot against Anderson Silva. But Matt Serra didn't win the Ultimate Fighter and then went on to lose two fights in a row and then get his title shot against GSP. You know, it was right after. So I'm struggling a little bit because there's only four spots in the big boy Grand Prix. So it's like, ah, do we want to waste one if somebody gets absolutely murdered? So I'll think about it. I think I think it'd be, it would be accurate to say we will prioritize you, but it's not an automatic entry. Because I, I do want there to be a reason to win the Invitational Grand Prix. It's just, I don't know, and... and it's tough. And we'll see how it plays out because that's how a lot of this goes. A lot of this, we don't really make the rules until it happens and then we know what we need to do. Speaking of that, I got to think of better tiebreakers for the Grand Prix because that happened last time and we still haven't fixed it. So could happen again, but we'll, we'll think, we'll think of something. Um, oh yeah. And then the people in the invitation Grand Prix. So we have Jordan, uh, taking on, uh, Anthony. And then on the other side of the bracket, we have Reagan taking on, uh, B Todd. So this is good news for Magnuson because Magnuson is not in the Invitational Grand Prix, which means she's going to have a super easy matchup because uh, she's going to go up against, like, I don't know, Corey or something or Pip or I, I don't know, someone who didn't make either tournament. So she'll probably get a win and avoid having a four-fight losing streak. But, I mean, you never know. You never know. All right, I think that's all we had. I'm going to pull up the uh, rankings here uh, following uh, this Saturday's performance. Not a whole lot of changes, and and, uh, I suppose we can get to it right now because uh, the only changes happened because of the main event. So uh, Obviously, Max Holloway defeats Calvin Cater by a unanimous decision. Uh, I believe it was 50-43 on two cards, and then 50-42? I want to say on the other judges' scorecards, so that's three 10-8 rounds. Uh, Max Holloway does not move up in the rankings because he already was the number one contender for us. Uh, Calvin Cater surprisingly only only drops one spot. He goes from five to six, and Yair moves up a spot. I just couldn't move him any lower because sitting at seven, eight, and nine are Emmett, Stevens, and Burgos. I don't know, man. I mean, Calvin Cater just knocked out Jeremy Stevens. I can't really put him any lower. And, you know, Josh Emmett only ever beat Shane Burgos, and I'm a big Josh Emmett fan, but I'm just saying, looking at the rankings here, you would think he would drop further, but not really. Not really. Uh, and just a dominant, a dominant performance. I mean, I, I thought this would happen, just not this bad. Because I, I said on the preview show, listen, Calvin Cater's strength is his boxing. Well, I don't think he's as good of a boxer as Max Holloway, and then... Max Holloway is more well-rounded in the other aspects of MMA. So I don't think this is going to go well for Calvin Cater, and sure is 
shit, it didn't. Really didn't, man. You know, he threw like 700 strikes, landed just under like 300. Uh, as dominant as it gets. Honestly, I think that that 50-42 score is as impressive as it gets because I don't think that'll ever happen again. You know, and I mean, never say never, but people don't get... So first of all, for you to get a 50-44, you have to have a five-round fight, okay? You have to have a main event or, or a title fight. And most fights are not. Most fights are not. Um, and then... Like, you have to have the right, you have to have the right ref and the right judges. Like, you have to have judges that believe in a 10-8. I think all three 10-8s were super fucking clear. But, like, typically if you get 10-8'd for two rounds, you're not going to get 10-8'd in the, in the third round. Not the third round of the fight, but for the third 10-8 round. Because you're going to get finished. Because the ref is going to stop it because you're getting your ass beat. Or, uh, you know, you're going to get knocked out. So, I th- I don't know if we'll ever see that again. That's a crazy score. Uh, and props to Calvin Cater because it, it's weird because Calvin Cater's toughness is the reason why that score is so crazy. Because, obviously, most people probably would have been finished. And, uh, you know, I heard uh, Calvin Cater say, after Dana White congratulated him on his toughness, uh, saying, yeah, it's not really something I want to be known for. And I think that's... 100% accurate. You don't want to be known as a guy who's tough because he got his ass beat. You don't. You don't want. You don't want to be known for your toughness at all because that means you're losing. You'll like. Nobody ever says Max Holloway is tough because his hands punched Calvin Cater 300 times and all oh, that must have hurt his hands. No, it's always the person getting their ass beat who's you know, the the tough guy. I mean, it's a trait you'd want to have. I mean, you you'd rather be tough and take a bunch of strikes, I guess, than than you know be a a glass jaw. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I mean, it probably would have been better for Calvin Cater if he just got knocked out or he was like a body shot in round number three because then you wouldn't take all that extra damage. I think that's that's a that's a career-changing fight. And, I, you know, I don't want to be too dramatic. Uh, you know what I mean? But that's a career-changing fight. I mean, you see people who get beat up like this, they're never the same again. I hope it's not the case. And I'm not even saying I know for sure it is the case, but historically, like when you take a beating like this, your next fight doesn't go so great. <laughs> and, and probably your career doesn't go so great. It's It takes something out of you, man. It really does. And um, yeah, that's that's just not a, not a great performance from uh, Calvin Cater. Again, elite toughness. And I, I, you know, I don't think we'll ever see that score again. And also... I think that's how the first person in the UFC dies. I really do. And I think the fight should have been stopped. Thank God nothing really happened that I've heard of. I don't, you know, he doesn't have brain bleeding or something, or we probably would have heard about that. But that's that's how the first person dies, is they're too tough for their own good. That's always how it happens. It, you know, not, not to say it couldn't happen other ways, or, you know what I mean, the human body's weird. You know, you could fall off of a roof and die or you could get in a car crash going 140 miles an hour and survive i mean the human body is really weird with what it what happens you know in in this scenario and what happens in this scenario and and things like that i mean obviously you know somebody could die from a single francis and ganu uppercut you know it's possible but like I, i really think this is how the first person dies in the ufc is they're just too tough for their own good you have some dumbass commission some dumbass referees 
you know, not doing their not doing their job, some dumbass doctors who let this who just prolonged this ass beating for Calvin Cater. Calvin was not going to win that fight. You know, now I'm getting pissed off about this because Calvin was not going to win that fight. Okay, maybe in the fourth. No, he was getting his ass beat in the fourth round real bad as well. Um, I think it was very clear. And, and props to Calvin because he was firing back. He, dude, he's he's a warrior, and I, I know that's so cliche to say, but like, man, if I ever could say one person's a warrior for the month of January, uh, yeah, it's Calvin Cater, man, and I that such an impressive performance, even though he got dominated. You know, not a lot of people possess what he has to just sit there and 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 fire back because he was firing back, and he hit. I think it was the th- fourth round he hit Max with a really solid overhand right. But, like, there was no fucking way Calvin Cater was going to win that fight. So what are we? why are we doing rounds four and rounds five? I would have stopped it somewhere in round four in the middle of the round with some of those flurries. But you're just... There's no reason. Cater's just going to take more damage. And I... I'm off two minds... I'm, I'm off two minds of it, right? Because, like, well... It is possible that Calvin Cater lands a hellacious overhand right and knocks Holloway out. But it's infinitely more possible that Max Holloway just continues to beat the fucking brakes off of him. And, you know, now there's adverse health effects because we clung to the idea that Cater could win, which is true. Cater could have won. Okay, but it would have taken a miracle. But that's exactly what it would have taken. A miracle. So I love giving people a chance. I I think after, so what is that, 15 minutes halfway through round number four after 17 and a half minutes I think you've had enough chances okay I I think you you've had nothing but chances through four and a half rounds so I'm calling it off sorry it's not competitive we have a mercy rule in other sports there we need to use the mercy rule more often and stuff like this yeah maybe that not even really in that case because it wasn't like Anderson Silva was getting like throttled like Calvin Cater was but like okay yeah maybe we don't have Anderson Silva coming back in the fifth round against Chael P. Sonnen, the greatest to ever do it, but I don't know, man, I don't want people to fucking die, because that's how, and I'm, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but like, I'm just saying, if somebody is gonna die, this is exactly how somebody dies, um, so, I don't know, the more I think about it, the more despicable that is, um, but either way, solid performance by Max, I mean, that's Max at his best, just drowning people, just drowning people, when he's in the zone, uh, he's, he's drowning people, and I think he should fight for the title next. I think he should fight for the title before Ortega, because Max Holloway did the exact same thing to Ortega, and Ortega only beat one fighter, and now he gets a title shot. That's not how that works. Um, Max should take some time off. Maybe if he wants to, maybe some weird stuff happens at uh, lightweight, and maybe he fights up there. But I, I, I think it's irresponsible to to have Holloway fight anybody except the champ. Because somebody's going to get really fucking hurt. Like, Calvin Cater was the number six guy. I'm not saying this was a bad matchup. It was a matchup that probably should have happened. I think it was solid matchmaking. But, like, okay, do, do you want to see Max Holloway fight Sadiq Youssef? Like, Sadiq Youssef, Youssef is going to get hurt real bad. Like, you got to be responsible with your, with your matchmaking. Like, I don't know. Do you want to see Max Holloway fight a toddler? Do you want to see him just fucking 10-8 a toddler for fucking four rounds in a row? Like, no, I think he's done plenty of work, man. I don't think we have to fight him against these lower guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not saying Yusuf's a toddler. I'm just using that as an example. But, you know, he needs to fight for the belt. 
Uh, and then one thing I want to say about Calvin Cater from my notes, because now I take notes. I'm a scout. I'm a scout at this point. I'm basically Matt Miller. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm the MMA scout. I'm going to start my own website and shit like that, and maybe I get picked up by Bleacher Report. Um, one of the things I will say about Calvin Cater is, um, outside of him fault, uh, faltering against great fighters, because that's the one thing I will notice, and it's a double-edged sword because there is a positive side to it. Um, Kelvin Cater learns and improves at the macro level, but he does not improve at the micro level. So you look at his last few performances, um, he'll win a couple of fights and then he'll lose a big one. He'll win a couple and lose a big one. And he's slowly but surely climbed the ranking, so it is it is working out for him to some degree. But, you know, he beats Shane Burgos, loses to Moicano. Then he'll knock out Fish Golden Llamas, loses to Zabit, uh, beats Stevens and Ige, loses to Holloway. So there's a, there's a trend here. But generally it is going up. Generally it is going up. So he improves and he learns at, at, at the macro level, but the micro... That's really where he falters, and you can see that in all three of his losses. So in the Moicano loss, he got leg kicked to fucking oblivion and had no answer for it. No answer for it. But I think he improved it in his next couple of fights. So he improved it on a big scale, but on that specific fight night, had no answer. Okay, there's a beat fight. Very slow start. He was coming on. If that would have been a four, or if that would have been a five round fight, um. Maybe he would have won, maybe, but it wasn't, so, okay, good for you. Hypothetically, you could have won if it was a five-round fight, but he had a tough time making adjustments. And then the Holloway fight, he had no answer for Max. Now, in fairness, a lot of people don't, but, like, there was no, if you notice, in that entire fight, there was no adjustment from Calvin Cater, okay? He was tough, he fought back. When he was getting beat up along the cage, he was swinging for the fences. He was not going to give anything for free, although he gave up a lot. But he, there was no adjustment. He tried for some takedowns. Again, like I said in the preview fight, Holloway's more well-rounded, so none of those takedowns worked. And what was the adjustment? Just standing there and getting beaten up? So, like, he didn't try to switch anything up. It was the exact same game plan. Sometimes it worked, uh, you know, or sometimes... It, not worked, but sometimes he had more success, like when he would tag, I don't want to say tag, but when he would land a couple of big punches on Max, but 98% of the time he was losing, and there was no adjustment for 25, 25 minutes, so that's the thing I, I'm concerned about with Cater, is just, I don't know man, we got one way to win this fight, and that's to outbox my opponent, and if I can't land some takedowns, then I guess I'll just try to keep boxing him, and if it doesn't work, well, then I'll just keep boxing him, and, uh, you know, if, if I get three 10-8 rounds in a row, well, I'll just keep boxing him. So, I don't know. But, if you look at the pattern, maybe he'll make some really big changes for his next couple of fights and then win his next two, and maybe he'll be back, you know, essentially fighting in a number one contendership fight in, you know, 18 months from now. So, I don't know. You could look at it both ways, honestly. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event. I got to be honest, I did not really watch this fight. This fight bored the fuck out of me. Uh, Carlos Condit defeats Matt Brown by unanimous decision. I, I really have nothing to say about this fight, but other than it reminded me of a Bellator fight. I thought I was watching Bellator when this fight was going on. It's just two old men fighting, uh, and I don't want to see that. Condit should have won the fight, and he did. Good for him. Matt Brown should retire. I don't know what that guy's fighting for. 
Uh, and I also heard on the post-fight show for ESPN where they said, you know, Carlos Condit is back. All right, he's back. He can contend with anybody in that division. Well, he surely can't. <laughs> like, he surely can't. He was on a five-fight losing streak for a reason. He definitely cannot compete with just anybody in, in that division. That He can beat up Court McGee and he can beat up Matt Brown, but he sure as fuck. Okay, so are, what is this, welterweight? Okay, let me look at the rankings here for uh, North Star Sports. All right, yeah, let's see how competitive he is against Michael Chiesa. Oh, lost to him a couple of years ago. Yeah, let's put him up against Jorge Masvidal, and, and let's see what happens. Uh, he would get brutally, brutally knocked out, and not the good kind of knockout, not that there is a good one, but like the old man type of knockout where just the entire body goes limp, and you're just like... The, the kind of knockout where you feel bad afterwards, where you're not excited for the knockout, you're just like, oh, God... I'm sick to my stomach. So I think both both should retire or move to Bellator. And I don't say that in a demeaning way, but like, no, seriously, like it, at least these two fought each other. At least it was two old guys fighting each other. It doesn't mean I want to see it, but like, okay, at least we didn't put Carlos Condit up against like Sean Brady or like a young up and coming killer. But it's like, oh, man, it's just sloppy. It's old. Not exciting at all. Oh, but they're two big names. Not really, man. I don't think anybody wants to see that fight. I don't even think Carlos Condit or Matt Brown fans want to see that fight. Like, they are a decade past their prime. I don't know, man. I just hate seeing fights like this, and I have no interest in it. And I didn't really watch the fight. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. We had a first-round knockout from... Uh, Li Jianling over Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, yeah, that was tough. I was definitely rooting for Santiago to come back. You know, obviously had a litany of of health problems. I think he had like a blood infection as well or something. Just, man, you feel for the guy. And then to get knocked out in the first round, that's so tough, man, because he was on a seven-fight winning streak or something like that. And... Uh, Fuck, I don't know, man. He was such a dark horse of the division and then taking two years off. You know, Lee is is a very active fighter. And, you know, he's won some and he's lost some and he's looked he's looked good and, and in other performances, you know, hasn't looked very good. He's a very tough guy to to get a read on. Um he was in the North Star Sports rankings at one point last year. Uh but for Santiago, man, I don't know, man. I just hope that that I hope it was ring rust. I hope it wasn't Lee beating him legitimately. And you know what I mean when I say that. Obviously, he beat him legitimately on on Saturday. But, you know, I really hope it was ring rust, which is a real thing. I don't care what Dominic Cruz has to say. Dominic Cruz is just such a good fighter that ring rust is not a thing. But I I think for a lot of people, it probably is. Um, He's just special. But, I mean, I don't know, man. Good for him. I don't know where a win over Ponzinibbio puts him. It definitely does not put him in the rankings. But, um... I don't know, man. We're we're kind of seeing a, a Chinese takeover of the UFC, and it's it's very it's very interesting. And I think Lee could be a part of it, you know, if he can string together some wins. Uh, but again, ah, he's just so hard to to get a read on. Like he'll lose to Jake Matthews. I definitely counted him out against Alessio Zaleski dos Santos, and he knocks him out, and then loses to Magni, and then beats Ponzinibbio. So fuck it, I don't know, man. And he's fighting very underrated guys. He's you know, so he's winning again some pretty good fighters but uh it has to be more consistent uh than what it currently is and for Ponzinibbio I don't know man just being just trying to stay active I know that's something that he probably tried to do for a long time 
and, and couldn't. He is 34, which is a, a little bit concerning, but man, is his seven-fight win streak, he had some fucking good fighters on that, and it's it sucks to see him lose it uh, against uh, Lee. I mean, his last time out against Neil Magny, that, that knockout was just deflating. It was brutal. That was like a faceplant knockout for Magny, and again, Magny's probably the most active guy in the welterweight division, and, uh, you know, very well-rounded, and uh, man, I, I, I don't know, man, that's 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 tough to see that happen to, to my boy, my Argentinian boy, uh, Ponzinibbio, but hopefully he rebounds. I think he will. He, he's a good fighter. All right, moving on here. Uh, we had a head kick KO midway in round number one. It was Alessio Di Chirico knocking out Joaquin Buckley. Um, fuck, I did not see that coming. I got to be honest with you. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Di Chirico, uh, or Di Chirico was on a three-fight losing streak. I thought he was fighting for his job, and uh, congrats to him. He won it. You know what I mean? I think if he lost, he would have been cut. Don't see a lot of fighters on a four-fight losing streak unless you're Carlos Condit. Um, I I thought if he was gonna win, if he was gonna win, it was maybe gonna be submission or maybe maybe he wins a decision. I I did not see I did not see a, a KO being a real possibility, and um, that takes a lot of the hype away from Buckley, and it raises a lot of questions about Buckley. Now, Di Carico is uh, a UFC veteran, okay? And I don't use that word lightly because, you know, oh, this guy has two fights in the UFC, he's a veteran. No, I mean, he's been in the UFC for a while. He's fought some of the top guys. I, I just don't know where... I, I hate to talk so much about Buckley because obviously he was a loser in this fight, but I just don't know what to make of him. I, I, I really don't. And it was a hellacious knockout. Um, Buckley's guard, I guess, was not... I guess it was high enough, but he just ducked, so it, it, I guess it wasn't. And uh, he made a funny face. He made a funny face. It was a, it was a pretty big knockout. And um, I don't know because with Buckley, like either he wins by crazy knockout or he loses by crazy knockout. Um, uh, I I I I don't know. Good for good for Alessio. He he keeps his job, but for for Buckley, man, it's so disappointing. And and I I thought he should not have fought Di Chirico. I thought he should have fought somebody who was ranked higher. Or well, unless he was not ranked, but I thought he maybe should have taken somebody on in the rankings. Man, he would have been smoked if that happened. I think there's um, some glaring deficiencies in Buckley's game. There's a lot to like. Uh, he has a really wide stance, which I, I don't think works in his favor. Um, I mean, at his at his best. He's he's the he's the the guy we saw against Jordan Wright, where he walks people down, cuts off corners, puts them up against the cage, and makes them respect his power. Because he does have crazy power. He's a little undersized for uh, a middleweight. Um, but I don't I don't know I I don't even really know what to improve on in in this performance. Just to, just to be more patient, I guess. I mean I I don't know. It's tough. He has to go back to the drawing board. And, uh, yeah, that's that's about all I got to say. Well, I can check my notes here. Uh, see if I have anything uh, interesting there. Uh, Alessio, he made Buckley miss. Okay. And he has a variety of striking, which, you know, is a good thing to see. It's a good thing to see. 
All right, moving on to the main card opener. We had another first-round knockout by Punahele Soriano over Dusko Todorovic. Um, I didn't really glean a whole lot from this fight uh, other than uh, Soriano has uh, a crazy powerful uh, left hand. He is the uh, the ultimate prospect. You know, I, I don't like seeing two prospects going up against each other, but now we know Soriano is for real, and, and Dusko has some... Uh, improvements he has to make but it it wasn't a fight that lasted very long and um, you know Soriano's willing to brawl that's that's what I take away from that one Uh, moving on here on the prelim headliner uh, we had Jocelyn Edwards beating Yanan Wu by unanimous decision Uh, don't know a whole lot about Wu learned a lot about Edwards I had no idea who she was even when she got signed and uh, I, I was impressed by her performance. Very well-rounded. Uh, wherever, wherever the fight was, it seems like she got the better of Wu. Whether or not it was on the ground, she held her own. Certainly had some, some time on top of her. And in the striking, I think she, on, on, the, on the whole, won the striking. So just wherever it was, uh, I, I felt she was very well-rounded. Obviously, you know, I'll wait to reserve judgment until she fights, you know, an opponent who's, who's higher up on the totem pole. Uh, it's easy for it's easy for fighters at the bottom of the UFC to look good against other fighters at the bottom. So you know, I'll, I'll reserve judgment, but I think that is somebody to watch, especially at bantamweight, where man, that's a really shallow division. That's a very very shallow division, and at the top, it's so goddamn boring. I mean, the number one and number two contenders are still GDR and Holly Holm. They've had multiple title losses. Nobody wants to see them in another title shot, and they probably will get another one because it's it's so shallow. So, uh, you know, hopefully people like Edwards can, you know, make some noise at 135. All right, moving on here. We had a uh, split decision victory for Carlos Felipe over Justin Taffa. Uh, that was an exciting fight. I, I caught the tail end of that one. Seems like it was a brawl. Uh, you like to see two big boys just going out there and and, and swinging. Uh, I will pull up MMA decisions here because I'm curious to see what the uh, what the masses have to say uh, about this performance. Uh, I think uh, I, I didn't see a lot of people saying that Tafa won the fight, so I think maybe they got it correct. But uh, oh, that is the wrong page. Well, you know, you live and you learn. Oh, okay, here's the correct one. One of my favorite websites. And it looks like they got it wrong because it looks like, uh, oh, 80% of these have it uh, 29-28 for Tafa. So, all right, perfect. Well, you know, more uh, poor uh, judging. So that's uh, that's interesting. And uh, But, you know, that's unfortunate for Justin Tafa, okay? Because uh, now he has two losses in the UFC. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Uh, I just hate to see people with so little experience in the UFC because when you start to rack up these losses and you don't have a lot of fights, it's it's real easy to, to cut this person. And uh, I'm not saying he will. I'm not saying he will. But, man, how many, how many heavyweights have we seen with no fucking experience come into the UFC? Like, oh, Juan Adams and fucking... Sometimes it works. Sometimes you get a Cyril gone, but I don't know, man. Heavyweight is... I'm so disinterested in heavyweight, especially if it's not like a top seven matchup. I I just really, really don't care. 
so it, it's weird when people say that, like, and I guess it is true, the heavyweight champ is the baddest man on the planet, but, like, the UFC really prioritizes heavyweights, you know what I mean? A lot of heavyweights will will main event fight nights and, and things like that, and it's like, dude, heavyweight's boring as fuck. Like, yeah, I guess there's a higher percentage of knockouts because, you know, we got some big boys up there, but I don't know, man, like, heavyweight... Heavyweight's probably the worst division in the UFC for quality of fights um, on the men's side. Like, I, I, flyweight is bad, I guess, just because we don't have good fighters. But at the top, at the top, I would rather watch a flyweight fight than a heavyweight fight. I'd rather watch Figueredo and Moreno than fucking Volkov and Overeem. So, I don't know. Seems like they may have gotten this one wrong, according to our friends in the media. And we love people in the media, by the way. Uh, moving on, we had another split decision. This time a, a split decision win for Ramazan Emiv over David Zawada. Uh, I did not see this fight. I was busy picking up the locomotive, so I didn't see it. Um, good for Emiv. I, I think uh, from what people tell me, this guy could be a dark horse at 170. Um... I, I did watch some of the highlights. Looks like he's uh, he's pretty good on the ground. I don't think that's a, too much of a surprise because he's Russian. And, um, you know, he's been in the UFC for quite some time. He's been here since uh, 2017. And uh, I don't know what's next for him, but maybe a step up in competition? I mean, he's beaten a lot of people that I've, I've never heard of in the UFC. But uh, good for him. And then for David Zawada, I don't know. Tough luck. You lost. Uh, one of the fights that I did watch the first round and then, you know, decided to take a shower and uh, do some other stuff. Uh, I think even pick up the locomotive during this fight as well. Uh, Vanessa Mello wins a unanimous decision victory over Sarah Morris. Uh, both should be cut. I don't know why they're in the UFC. That was a fucking boring fight. Sarah Morris was just running away. Uh, great cardio on Sarah Morris to just run away from the fight. Uh, she fell to six and seven, so that's a record you love to see in the UFC. Six and seven, more losses than wins. That's impressive. Um, Two fight losing streak for her. She's lost uh, five of her last six and six of her last eight. So you know that's that's impressive. That's the type of people we like to have in the UFC. Just people who put on great performances. Uh, just rack up the 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 losses in the UFC. So that's against fighters you've never heard of too, like. Uh, uh, Talita Bernardo and uh, Lucia Pudilova. So, you know, just losing to really bad fighters is, is what impresses me the most about Sarah Morris. And Vanessa Mello. I mean, I can't say anything bad about her. She just got the dub. So good for her. She was 0-3 in the UFC. So that's even more impressive that Sarah Morris found a way to lose to her. Um, Mello gets her first win in the UFC, although... I don't know, man. I would I would probably still cut her as well, but props to her. She's a winner. Uh, and that's all I have to say about uh, this fight. Uh, and then we had, I believe we are at the, yep, the prelim opener, which was infinitely a better fight than uh, Vanessa Mello and Sarah Morris. It was Austin Lingo winning a unanimous decision over Jacob Kilburn. Uh that was, that was impressive by Lingo. It really was. And again, I understand this is the lower levels of the UFC. Okay, these are not well-established, 
UFC number one contenders. But I was very impressed with with Lingo. He kind of he kind of brought it to Kilburn, and props to him because he, he definitely showed toughness. And you know, much like uh, Calvin Cater, he was firing back when he was getting beat up upon. So you know, you respect the dog in Jacob Kilburn. Uh, but for Lingo, let me pull up my notes here. Uh, he had a lot of success walking Kilburn down. Okay, putting putting Kilburn's back along the fence. He he has pretty good takedown defense as well because that was really. Kilburn's answer to you know getting beat uh, on the feet was trying to take him down, and I guess he took Lingo down a couple of times. I don't know if you would call him takedowns for for some of them, uh, but yeah, Lingo had a lot of success. Definitely likes to target the head heavily. Uh, you know, maybe he could mix it up a little bit, but it's hard to critique somebody when they win 30-27, maybe even 30-26 on one of the cards. And uh, for Kilburn, quite the opposite has trouble being walked down didn't really have an answer but he does have a solid chin like i said good at recovering and fire back to prevent just getting swarmed and the one thing i will say about kilburn is that he doesn't always fully commit to his takedowns i think maybe there were a couple of times where if he just fully committed uh he could have got the takedown maybe uh but we'll never know because he he didn't you know he he would kind of shoot for some of those takedowns and then if it didn't work immediately uh, I guess we just clinch, or I guess we go back to striking where I'm getting beat. So, I don't know. I would like to see Kilburn back in the UFC again. Man, you never know. When you're at the bottom of the totem pole and you lose a fight, uh, there, there's not a guarantee that you come back. He's lost his only two appearances in the UFC. So, a guy who's probably getting cut. But, I don't know. There are some redeeming qualities to Jacob Kilburn, and he is only 25. So, even if he does get cut... Man, I don't know. You go to Bellator, you go to LFA, you go to Ryzen, you go to 1FC, get a couple of wins and come back. I, I don't think that's the last we've heard of Jacob Kilburn. I, I just think his striking has to improve. All right, with that, we have reached the end of our recap. So again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow the mailman at Owen the Mailman, Northstar Sports at Northstar M-I-N. You got to check out our website at northstarsports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.